Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our weekly Daisy Boys podcast where we strive to critique books thoroughly and attain the highest language arts grade possible. I'm your host, Kevin Saju, and our other host, Herschel Patel, who is not here at this time, will join us very soon. Today, we are talking about a classic, a book that is ingrained in the heart of American history. It's by Stephen Crane and is known as the Red Badge of Courage. For those of you who haven't read this story, we'll give you a quick rundown of what the story is about. It's really nothing special. There's other aspects of the story that are much more important. Um, anyways, here we go. Uh, the story is, a, is about a boy named Henry who really wants to fight for the Union during the Civil War, even against his mother's will. Uh, he leaves his mother behind and joins the, joins the Union, but instantly regrets this choice. He finds himself in a group of soldiers that really don't fight that often. They're like a reserve, reserve set of soldiers almost. Um, this makes Henry grow, grow in fear and nervousness of fighting. And but he's not the only one who's actually scared of it. His, uh, his group is pretty scared of fighting as well. This group finally gets a chance to fight the Confederates, and they succeed. Um, they get they fight again a second time. But uh, this time it wasn't as easy, and Henry gets scared and runs away. Uh, the Union end up winning the second battle, but Henry's demoralized at, by his uh, cowardice. However, this doesn't last very long. When the, and by the next morning, my, my apologies, um, Henry leads a third charge voluntarily against the Confederates. This shows Henry's growth of courage, which is a reoccurring theme in the story. His fellow officers consider Henry to become to be brave after this third charge. Um, their successes, their success in charging the Confederates, led them to charge the Confederates a couple more times. And by the end of the book, Henry's full of courage and stronger than he was before, and stronger than he was before. This book is pretty generic, and I honestly don't really find it that entertaining. It's uh, it's not for a, for like a teen. It's really not that interesting. But if you're interested in history, this book is for you. Everybody, our co-host Herschel has uh, made it to the studio. He's decided to come to work for the first time. And he's here to talk about this book, specifically the theme of this book, which is probably the most important thing about this book. Herschel? What's up, guys? I'm your co-host, Herschel Patel. Sorry, I was just a bit late because nature called, but I'm here now. Let's just jump right into it. Actually, side note, while I was in the middle of nature's call, I read a quick story and I just wanted to share it. Aight. So, I was 7, my brother 10, my mom in her early 40s, my grandma in her 60s. No one was too young or too senile to not recall this incident. Grandma lived in, in an isolated country road 
in North Carolina that was named after her family since they were the only crazy people who lived on the land for about thousand acres and I do mean crazy like her house had been empty for several weeks while she'd been visiting us in Florida but we were all back now spending the weekend with her before trekking back to the Sunshine State the house is in the for real country literally over train tracks past the salvage yard and her nearest neighbor a cousin ain't even worth the screaming distance yes that seems to be a real system of measurement a screaming distance well other than that it's early it's early in the a.m.s just like before daybreak we're awake because these are farm freaks think about it they wake up at the crack of dawn and we're eating cereal when we hear someone pull up outside curiously we all run to the big picture window that looks into the front yard there's a strange truck there no one seems to recognize it no one seems to be behind the wheel but the engine is still running the truck is well it's old it's old like the 1930s you could picture like the jode family heading to california in this thing it's really rusty it's old we stare at the thing bewildered mom asks grandma if she knows who who it was and grandma's like no we don't know who that is so she runs to get the phone to call her cousin and ask him to come up she thinks maybe it's like a hired hand or he's just at the wrong farm so just as she asks him to come on down the phone goes dead the phone's blank it's just a bunch of static this just puts everyone in an unsettling mood all at once there's a loud insistent banging on the front door we all scream my grandma who is very resourceful huddles huddles all of us into the living room which is away from the window where anyone can see us and then while mom me and my brother tremble there on the couch she grabs a bread knife from the kitchen and cautiously approaches the door she peeks out a side window she turns back to us and looks really confused and she just nods at us and it just signals that no one's there so everyone just starts breathing normally they breathe easier then every every single door in the house is banging every single door in the house is banging relentlessly everyone can hear it i can still hear it it's rhythmic terrifying like all the doors are about to splinter and crack that's how hard the bangs were there were two doors in the basement beneath us so the sound is also a reverberation at our feet the ground is shaking we can see them trembling and jerking on their hinges from the point on the couch finally mom runs back to the window either from a psychotic break with reality or terror no one has a clue she cries oh thank christ cousin is here we run to her and peek out the picture window there's no one that we can see in the yard but we can't see all the doors from our viewpoint cousin walks by truck with a shotgun in his hand cousin it should be noted has a pretty much every gun ever made he has every single gun he looks very puzzled looking at the rear of the truck then he glances in the cab window and he stops he goes pale runs a hand down his face then he runs towards the house towards us 
My grandma flings open the kitchen door as he sees him coming. He shouts, everyone get behind the couch. Get down, get down. He runs past us as we bolt for the couch. The banging starts again. All the doors, and now we can hear the windows rattle. It's like a tornado. It's like a hurricane. It's like the end of the world. We're too scared to scream. Cousin flings open the front door and fires the shotgun. Once. Bang. Stephanie. As he does, the truck roars into life, and it sounds like a train. It just starts up again. We scramble up. We scramble down. The banging stops. Cousin is advancing onto the lawn. Guns leveled at the truck. We run behind him and wanting to be out of that shaking house. And near the dude with the gun, the truck peels out backwards, cutting across the yard, racing into a breakneck speed. Tires squeal, rubber is burned. Cousin fires again with the shotgun, bang, and we all cower behind him. He blows out the back window with the sound of a thousand plates smashing into linoleum, but the truck never even hiccups just roars down that road no tags not even a plate on the back there was no one behind the wheel of that thing we all had a clear view Interrupt Herschel for a quick break. There was no one behind the wheel of that thing. There was no one. We all had a clear view. Everyone agreed. There was no driver in the cab. Well, we couldn't see one at least. The police were called. We had to go to Cousin's house to call because our phone line had been cut. There was not a single boot print in the entire yard, except for Cousins, from where he'd run into and out of the house with his shotgun. Cousin reported that there, there was no plate, but when he looked into the cab, it was something from a horror movie. He said that there were so many weird types of restraints. There were handcuffs, C-clamps, nylon straps. He said the floorboards were covered in what looked like blood. It smelled like blood. Cousin said he thought he saw a blur of something out of the picture window and ran to fire the first shot but missed because once he stood there, there was no one on the lawn or in the truck. Then it shot, then it shot backwards out of the yard and out of our lives, leaving no answers. Just a deep sense of unease every time we'd visit. Grandma and cousin have passed. Deeply religious people. They stuck by their unchanging versions of the story until they died. My brother, mother, and I have never been able to figure it out. The cops, they were useless too. They didn't figure anything out. Should be noted, we don't know how all the windows and doors were banging. That's just weird. We don't know why we never saw a soul anywhere and how they could get around the sides of the house without leaving a trace. Sit, the end. So from the story, we can see the theme of courage. We see that cousin started running out after the unknown thing that was out in the yard. We see that he had the courage to run out with a shotgun and shoot at it. He ran out, grandma ran out, everyone ran out, 
and wanted to see what was going on. They ran to the window. They ran everywhere. They wanted to know what was happening. They wanted to take action against whatever it was. So let's just relate that back to the story we're talking about, Red Badge of Courage. So Henry, we see that he enlists in the army in the beginning. He tries enlisting. His mother's not for for it. Her, his mother is not supportive of him enlisting into the army. But Henry is showing that type of courage to enlist in the army. But then his courage is brought down as he sees the reality of war. He goes into the battlefield and he tries running away whenever he can. He goes into the battlefield and when he's surrounded with all his troops against the Confederate army, he has nowhere to run. So he has to stay there. But then when that surprise attack happened, he took the chance and fled. He went into the forest. He found a tattered soldier. And guess what? He decided not helping him because he knew that the Confederate soldiers were coming for him. So he just ran away from that tattered soldier. He didn't even help him. This just shows how the courage, it went down throughout. And how in our short story, we see that the courage, it goes down after every event that happens. We see that they go outside and then once they hear the doors banging, they come running back inside into the living room, seeking for shelter, seeking for that protection. We just see that courage is going down after every single event that happens. So expanding on this theme of courage, we see that the main character in the Red Badge of Courage, which is Henry, we see that his courage increases throughout the novel and throughout time. We see that sometimes he has like a low. We see that the courage isn't well displayed in some parts of the story. But overall, by the end of the story, his courage is at an all-time high. It proves his manliness and it just shows his development throughout the story and throughout the war on page 100 it says the impetus of enthusiasm was theirs again they gazed about them with looks of uplifted pride feeling new trust in the grim always confident weapons in their hands and they were men this quote just signifies the amount of courage they had by the end of the novel it shows how the encouragement and the constructive criticism it got to them and that led to the triumph over all the confederates and it just showed that they finally achieved that manliness that they were looking for they they persevered throughout all circumstances they tried to show their courage and by the end of the novel they showed that courage Alright guys, your boy Kevin is back here to just talk about Henry as a character. Um, to just, just describe him and how I and to let you know how I feel about him. Alright, let's get right into this. One can conclude many things about Henry's behavior and character by just reading the first couple of pages in this story. You can conclude that he is both brash and wishy-washy, 
just an example of this is on page seven where he tells his mom that he's enlisted he does this without even thinking about what his uh what the repercussions would be or how his mother would take it initially his mother took it well by just saying the lord by just saying the lord's will would be done henry but later in the story on the next page it states that her brown face upraised was stained with tears and her spare form was quivering his mother was brought to tears because of his actions this also leads to the conclusion that he's both wishy he's wishy-washy with his decisions just because of some of some tears by his mother he felt instant regret for his purpose as if though he didn't care or he just did it as for some he just did it for status it states he bowed his head and went on feeling suddenly ashamed of his purposes some tears just caused him to change his mind We're crunched on time, and there's one more thing we'd like to talk about, and that's figurative language, which is quite important towards the, to, to the story. So let's just hop right into it, and let's get this done. Alright guys, we're in our last section of this podcast, which is about uh, figurative language. Um, so let's just hop right into it. Uh... The author Crane uses a lot of different figurative language uh, or devices in the story, but the main ones he uses is personification and simile. He uses this more than others. Well, this is because in the story he's using these to either compare the men or uh, a, an idea or topic to something else, and these are the, the easiest of uh, figurative language examples of figurative language to use when comparing something um an example of this can be seen on in chapter six where it states and i quote the cannon with their noses poked slantingly at the ground grunted and grumbled like stout men brave but with objections to hurry um this makes weapons appear like humans and this adds gravity to the situation especially are an already grave situation or uh idea in war and there's a vivid detail that helps you picture what's going on in your mind. Uh, another example of a figurative language um, can be seen in chapter two. This is an example of a simile, and it says, uh, and I quote, they were like two serpents crawling from the cavern of the night. Um, this, use, this, this simile is used to describe men, is, used, is another, is used to describe men of the squadron as unfriendly again he uses similes to describe things he, to describe things in comparison to another thing um and this is also the first of many men to animal references or comparisons that he'll make the next one you'll see will be in chapter three and in this this one it states and i quote the regiment slid down a bank and wallowed across a little stream um, this is not directly calling them animals. Um, this is uh, referring to animal-like behaviors when describing the men. Uh, there are more examples of uh, Crane using uh, figu- uh, figurative language to compare 
uh, men to animals, and that is a reoccurring theme that happens over and over in the story. Alright guys, we've reached the end of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, We'll be back uh, next week to talk about another book and hopefully we will we won't fail in entertaining uh and maybe just maybe herschel might come to work on time all right guys have a good day